0: Um, So I did. I quit my job as a librarian, and I started writing full-time, and I wrote my first book, and nobody wanted it. It was just rejected over and over again, and I thought, okay, I did it. I wrote it. I guess that's, that's it. It's not meant to go
1: anywhere. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler.
2: And this is Tony Russo.
1: And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story?, a podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Amy Schistler, the award-winning author of Whispering Vines and the Chincoteague Island Trilogy. A former librarian in Talbot and Queen Anne's Counties, she writes Christian women's fiction, and her work has been hailed as, quote, a verbal masterpiece of art. Her new novel, Island of Hope, was just released in August 2019. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're delighted to have you here. I'm perpetually fascinated by the amount of stamina that personally I feel must be required in order to not just write one book, but then to say, I'm going to carry this across three books. Could you tell us a little bit about your trilogy and and kind of the inspiration, how you kind of got digging into it? Sure. And it's funny that you say that because
0: the reason why I decided to make it a trilogy was because I didn't think I had the stamina to make it an ongoing series. Uh And I feel like a trilogy is just a really nice way to have a recurring story that comes to an end. Mm. When I wrote the first book, Island of Miracles, I about halfway through realized there was more than one story there. Okay. So I didn't start it as a trilogy, Mm. but I knew as I was writing that it was going to be more than one book. And then I was left with that question. Do I make it an ongoing series? Do I just do a sequel? And I thought, I love trilogies.
2: Once you cross that line where you're like, okay, we're going to make this a trilogy, how do you hold back the reveals or hold back the character development? Because the characters have to be fully formed all the time, but then there has to be also room for them to grow, I guess.
0: In the first book, uh, I introduced characters that I was pretty sure were going to be the main characters in the second book. Ah. So I had the chance to build them up let you get to know them to a certain level Mm -hmm. and then really build on that in the second book where partway through I introduced another set of characters. So I was building with each one up to the next one. Ironically, when I went to write the third one, I was having a really hard time with those characters I introduced for the third book. And it was not coming together. I was really struggling. I finished it. I sent it to my editor, Judy Reveal, who's also a, a writer here on the shore. And she didn't like it. And I didn't like it. <laughs> and so we talked about what we needed to do. I went back. I kind of reworked it. She said, eh, it's better. I sent it out to a few beta readers. They didn't like it. So three weeks before the absolute deadline to have it done, I completely rewrote the entire book. Oh, wow. So I kept one of the characters, and the other one made an exit in the beginning of the third book, and I introduced a whole different character.
2: So many things, but first, you're free to do that in the third one because you don't need I, – I, I always imagine I imagine when you were telling the story, I imagine it like a uh, – almost like a movie where they pick up on one character and he walks in and – he bumps into another character and then they follow that character off. Right. Right. That's that's kind of the sense I got where yes. these characters come in and then you're going to follow these off to the next book. Right. But you don't have that responsibility in the third book. So I guess I guess you're lucky you didn't make it an ongoing series. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. And although I will say by the time I finished the third one, I thought to myself, yeah, there could be more stories here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually thinking that I may do a second trilogy based on other characters on Shinkatique that don't really have a connection to the ones I've already written about. Well it sounds
1: like as you were describing it, kind of what I was seeing in my head is almost like you were kind of building a bridge maybe midway through the book to the to the next piece. Right. You know, to kind of to provide the this link. But I can't imagine three weeks before the deadline just scrapping An entire, you know, scrapping tens of thousands of words, and then just coming up with a new set of tens of thousands. I mean, that must have been daunting. It was. It really was. Luckily, because it was a trilogy,
0: and because I was building on other stories, there were a lot of segments that I could keep. Okay. Things that had the other past characters coming back in. and, And I had to change those scenes a little bit mm. but for the most part I could keep those scenes uh, so that helped but having to introduce a whole new character, make her background fit in with the other characters, make it plausible that she could become part of this existing story uh, that that took some uh, a lot of thought but I sp- before I did it I spent about an afternoon doing some research, brainstorming, putting together some ideas so that the next morning when I sat down to write, I, I had a direction that I was going in.
1: I mean, I'm just sort of stuck on the fact that you have to basically <laughs> rewrite an entire novel sort of. I didn't sleep much.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I didn't cook. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do much around the house. Um, but I will say that now that it's been out for a few weeks, the reviews
1: are starting to come in and... Uh, it worked. It was worth the effort. Yeah, it was worth, worth, it. The effort. It, it, was like worth it. It sounds like it. And it also seems like you had some pro- some cooperation from your characters, too. Because, yes. you know, a lot of, I think for non-writers to hear that, oh, I made this character and then it started doing things I didn't expect it to do, for for a non-writer, that seems very like, what do you mean? You're, you're the writer, you, the characters do what you tell them to do. But anybody who's written a strong character knows that you, you create this character and then they're going to have, they're going to do what's within their... They do. They're gonna do it's within their own motivations yeah. and how they move through the world. So that to me, I guess, is kind of what got, why I got stuck in it is not that you just scrapped the whole book, but you scrapped the whole book and then needed the characters to kind of go along with you and and right. build characters into this new world, right. and And I
0: made it so that in the beginning of the book, the character that I scrapped, was mentioned several times. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, gosh, she's not here, or we miss her, but in a way that was letting you know that they were all letting her go. Okay. And so they were able to move on, and they were ready to move on when the new character came
1: in. Yeah, it's like in. in the season premiere of your favorite TV show, they they kill off one of the mainstays. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. right. And the the main character, the, the young man
0: that the third book is based on uh, – is actually is based on a real person. Mm. Uh, I have a 23-year-old daughter. Her best friend from growing up um, it, it joined the Marines and uh, got out a couple years ago, and he's always said, he calls me Mom, Mom, when are you going to write a book about me? When are you <laughs> going to write a book about And it's a joke. It's just this this big family joke. Oh, yeah, someday I'll write a book about you. Right. And in the second book, when I introduced this character who is a former Marine trying to find a place to be now, fi- find his his new start in life i thought well i can now write about nick and so that's what i did oh fantastic and it was fun because i really wanted his character to be him. Mm-hmm. I changed his background, changed his family dynamics so that I could put him in this place in a way that would make sense. Mm. Right, um, But I really wanted it to be his personality. And the few people, family members and friends who know him, who have read it, have said, oh my gosh,
2: it him. was him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> So that was fun. Yeah.
2: What's interesting to me is the notion of a character. We were talking about characters that don't do what you want, uh, including have sustainability, like That the reason that the book didn't work at first was because that character's arc didn't go far enough. And I always like to talk, I always like to think that that is built in the kernel. Like when you conceive the character, certain things about that conception are going to lead it on this arc. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's the part of the discovery. And what was in the initial conception of the character wasn't enough to. You know, a fully drawn, you couldn't draw more of that character than there was. And I guess that that's where you ran into trouble.
0: What what I found was that the character's arc wasn't fitting into that storyline. I loved every scene that I wrote about this character and the way that she was developing and and the things that, that were happening with her life, but it didn't fit in. With mm. that setting and the other circumstances. So I've saved all of that in a different document. And at some point I'll come back. And maybe it won't be her. Maybe it'll be a different character aspect. But but um, you know, different name, different circumstances. But but I think I will definitely go back and use what I wrote at some point in the future.
1: And what was it about Shinketing? Um, that sort of drew you to do a trilogy. I mean, it's a small island, but this is a big. This is a big series. I live in Saint
0: Michaels, which really is a very similar place to Chincoteague. It's a tourist town. It's a small town. Everybody knows each other. Wanted to write about some place like that, but I didn't want to set it in Saint Michaels. Um, my second book, Picture Me, is actually set in Saint Michaels, but I changed the name. Mm. It's the only book I've ever changed the name of a place. Uh, because I wanted to make it my own town. Right. And I liked the idea of using Chickateek because it would have the same feel. I could write the same kind of story, and I could leave it the way that it was without people I knew coming up and saying, is this about so-and-so? And right. did this take place here? And is that what yeah. this is? So it, it <laughs> I was able to use the kind of location i wanted in a ready built community that would have all the aspects i was looking for but not feel like i had to explain myself as i
2: wrote it but it's interesting that you cho- you chose to name it shinkati and not choose another name for it what was what was that about?
0: I'm not sure I, I even consciously did that. As I said, with the second book, I knew I was changing the name. When I started writing, it just, it, it seemed to fit. I liked the idea of the history of Chingotique. And uh, that was one thing with my second book where I wrote about the history of St. Michael's. I had to change it. Because it wasn't Saint Michael's, right? And I liked the history of of the island, the ponies, the the houses that were moved from Assateague. The Everything about it was just really intriguing, and I wanted to be able to to really keep the authenticity. Well, yeah. it does
2: it does certainly have a built in color, right? And, yes. and and laying on top of that tone, and, and, instead of trying to impose your will on it, frees you up to do other things. Is that yes? Does that feel it right? It does.
0: In the third book, I, I kind of take on a little bit of the, the island's history um, because this new character that I introduced, all she wants is to be a saltwater cowboy. Mm. And there's never been a female saltwater cowboy. So it was fun writing that in a way where I could make it happen without tarnishing right. anything about the island
1: itself.
2: Yeah, there, that's, that's, that's an excellent point
1: there's such a depth of history, you know, the landscape there, there is so much about Shankatang I mean, I was sort of born and raised, you know, here on Delmarva and we spent our summers down there, you know, and there's, there's such a, an attraction. There's such a, a lure in the legends and the myths of the place that I, I can see why so many writers see that place and go, Oh yeah, this is, this has got all the stuff that I need to get going. It does. It really does. It's got a neat history and very popular
0: today um one thing I learned in my research and I do a lot of research even though they're fiction I do a lot of research oh, for to. my books <laughs> yeah. and uh it is uh one of if not the most popular retirement place for a former military um and so that that really became a theme in my books uh where the the military that live there or former military that settle there and uh, a lot of the events and things that take place in the book, I was able to use that as part of the storyline.
2: Do you know what the attraction is? I'd never even heard that before.
1: I do not know. I yeah. would assume maybe something to do with wallops, but maybe oh, I'm totally I guess. wrong. Yeah. yeah, You know, a yeah. lot of contractors and people. This is pure speculation on my part. Well, and <laughs> the military plays a, a big role
0: on the island community wise and when you go on to the island there are actually banners hanging from every light pole with pictures of every person on the island who is or has been in the military and they honor every person Um, my nephew is in the coast guard uh, graduated from the coast guard academy and so for the past six and a half years his picture's been on one of those banners. We were there a couple of weeks ago and drove all around looking for his brother's banner. <laughs> he just started at the academy, but he doesn't have one up yet as far as I know. But uh, they live on the island, and, and you can tell when you look at these these banners, there's there's a lot of pride there, a lot of military pride. And I don't know if that's, if that is a result of people retiring there yeah. or if they're attracted to the area because of that.
1: And they have a wonderful bookstore there. Uh, good old sundial, sundial Books. Give a good old plug for Jane and John down yes. there. Yes, yes. They, you know, when you think about, um, you know, the military history, one of the things I always think about is the arts and entertainment side, you know, with Misty of Chincoteague and, yeah. you know, some of the things that have kind of connected to that piece, you know. And it's always felt like a place where writers and and readers can just, absolutely just feel completely at home. Right. I think so. And that was a big
0: theme in my book that, that people could come there and feel at home and feel accepted and feel like they were part of the community. And I will tell you that the community has made me feel that way. Uh, Jane and, and everybody else, I've been down there a couple times for book signings and was just there a couple weeks ago and, and had a fantastic day. Um, and I'm going to be back there the, um, Saturday after Thanksgiving for small business Saturday. Oh, that's fun. Yes.
2: Book, book, book bookstores are a good place to be on small. Those are the ones that everybody's like, you know, I can go in here. I can do two or three different things because there's going to be a knickknack, but also I have different friends, but they all read. Right. So you can pick different things up. Yes. I want to go back a little bit, like a lot. When did you, when did you start on writing novels? Broadly speaking, like, um, I, think, I think anyone who has ever tried to write anything has at least started a novel. And then there's the next step, which is finishing the novel. But knowing that you have to, knowing that you have a novel that you have to write, I guess, from start to right. finish. And so what was that realization like for you when you got to that
0: part? Uh, about 12 or 13 years ago, um, I was working as a librarian at Chesapeake College in Y Mills and um, I just had this revelation one day that I had spent my entire adult life surrounded by books and shelving books and having all of these ideas for books and maybe it was time to try writing my own. Mm. Uh, I wrote poetry my my whole life growing up. It was my way of getting all of my emotions out. So I, I wrote a lot of poetry, I wrote, um, magazine articles, newspaper articles for various things. Um, and always in the back of my mind, I always knew someday I'm going to write a book. I'm not sure I knew it would be more than one. Mm-hmm. But I always, as you said, people who want to write always have this idea, I'm going to write a novel. Um, so I, I said to my husband, I, I'd really like to stay home and write full time. And he was, he was okay, okay with that, which shocked me. <laughs> he said, go for it. Um, so I did, I quit my job as a librarian and I started writing full time and I wrote my first book and nobody wanted it. It was just rejected over and over again and I thought, okay, I did it, I wrote it. I guess that's, that's it. It's not meant to go anywhere. And I started, um, doing other things, uh, teaching computers and teaching senior citizens to use computers and, and I did that a couple days a week. Still writing some here and there. I started writing some children's stories. I thought, well, maybe that's where I should go is is, uh, writing children's books. And um, to where I got to where I was doing all computers all the time and no writing. And again, went to my husband and said, you know, I quit my job so I could write. And he said, oh, (laughs) thank you. I'm so glad you finally realized that's what you should be doing. So I got the book back out dusted it off, went back through, changed it, and then finally that time it was picked up by a publisher.
2: Um, and and what, what is that process like? Cause, so for me, particularly because I, I do nonfiction, it's become almost impossible for me to write something that I'm not already being <laughs> paid to write. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, what if I write this and no one buys it? And never mind. I, I, I know I can write something that, that, that I can sell. Right. So what what is that – that like? The wherewithal to go back and to and to start pitching again and pitching again. What what was that process like? How did you... It wasn't easy. Yeah.
0: Um, but I had an advantage in, in that it was just about five years um, between the time that I first started pitching it and then went back and started pitching it again. And the advantage was there were a lot more independent presses out there and they were becoming more... Prominent Mm. and acceptable and when I first wrote it you had two choices you either got picked up by somebody in New York or you did vanity publishing which Is not really publishing so when I went back to it There were hundreds of small presses Mm. that I could start sending it out to And not really worry about the big New York houses and so that's why I went with the small press. Um, I will be honest with you, the, the experience with the small press was a nightmare. Um, and it was that particular one. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, there were lots of issues. And um, they. I, had, I think I had four editors on the one book.
2: Running through, yeah.
0: And um, so there was not a lot of consistency. It was really hard um, on my end to keep dealing with it and putting up with it. And and um, when the book came out, in spite of the whole editorial process, there were so many mistakes and things that had gone wrong and people were coming up. I loved your book, but yeah, right. did you see this or did you notice this? And eventually, um, my husband's an attorney. He wrote a letter hmm. acting as my attorney, so to speak, right, and said she needs to get her rights back because, you know, they, there were many ways that they didn't really follow through
2: right. with the contract. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know how often that happens, but I think it's not. I guess with a small press it might be a little bit easier. but
0: Yeah, I don't think I could have done that if <laughs> it had press. been one of the big presses. So I re-released that book, and actually this summer my goal has been to – rewrite it again. Mm. Re- because I feel like I, I've written seven other novels since then. And I feel like my writing has progressed. My knowledge certainly has progressed. Mm. And so um, that, that's that been a goal for me over the last few weeks is to revise that and get it out by this fall. First of all, because I I want it to be something that I can be happy with. And um, second, because the Chincoteague series, actually one of the characters is in that first novel. Oh. It's, she's only mentioned. She's not actually in it. She doesn't play a role. She's just mentioned. But I, all of my novels contain, or most, almost all of them, contain some little thread from a previous novel somebody that was mentioned or somebody that was the brother or sister of somebody mentioned. And so I thought, well, to do justice to it, I, I really need to go back and work on it again.
2: That's cool. And, and it's cool. Uh, it's cool that it's subtle as well. Like it's not, it's not hitting you over the head with, it's just, just if you happen to have gone through them all, you have oh that's, Right That name rings a bell, right. that's that's, that's very interesting. Right. yeah.
0: and the and the the storyline in the first story is mentioned in the first book. But in the second Chincoteague book, where it's really about her, it it's talked about a lot. Mm. And I thought, now that these are out there, it's time. i, I for years, I said, I'm going to go and rewrite that. And my husband kept saying, eh, but that's a book you're not writing. You know, why go back and fix something when there's so, you can put something new? Yeah. So um, I knew we were going to have a busy fall and our daughter's getting married next year. So we have a lot going on with that. And I thought, no, it's a good time. It's a good time to go back and revise.
2: Um, and so along those lines, um, can you talk about the promotion you do now to get like, how do you, besides podcasts, how do you, how do you get the word out about, about your book?
0: That's probably the most difficult part. Uh, and I've tried lots of things. I've done blog tours. I have found they haven't really worked. Um, I, I have taken ads out on Facebook and Amazon. I've done all the standard things. Uh, and I find they lead to sales, but not a tremendous amount of sales. Um, recently, uh, I've started trying to do more contests, to enter my books in more contests, um, so, uh, the second book in the trilogy, Island of Promise, I just found out a couple of weeks ago, has won its sixth National Literary Award. Oh, awesome.
2: Oh, so I'm hoping,
0: thank you, I'm yeah. hoping that that will be, uh, more of a stepping stone to being able to sell books. But it's really, it's a hard thing to do, and it, I haven't quite figured out the best way to do it. I'm not sure we, any of us have yet. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I,
2: I, I always... Um, I always like to tell the waiter that I'm taking my wife out with all of my royalties <laughs> <laughs> from the last six months.
1: <laughs> so yeah. don't
2: expect a big tip. That's right. It's it's, uh, it's hard. And what's what's really difficult is that when you when you go, I mean, I God bless you, got to seven because the idea of knocking on doors is when you're writing and then you're like, and hey, now I got to knock on doors. It just seems. Right. Exhausting.
0: I have on my calendar a a couple hours a week that are blocked off for marketing and it might be just two hours of entering contests or it might be two hours of um, trying to reach out to libraries or bookstores and it should probably be more than that but then I'm not writing and I I just feel like if I keep writing and keep putting things out there, that at some point, it's all it's, gonna it's click. It's, it's all gonna gonna fall together. Um, yeah, but- the business
1: side seems to be that you know I think sometimes people you know, writers, you kind of get caught in this, you know, Oh, I'm going to write books. I'm going to write books. And then you write the thing and you are like, Oh my gosh, there's this whole business side to it. Yes. Of marketing and promotion and sales and, and you don't realize that and, I, in yeah, the beginning. No, that's something that I think we, we figure out after the first one, then you're like, Oh my gosh, I made this thing and the people didn't flock to my door. Now what do I do? And I think people try, you know, newsletters and Facebook and, social media and, and, you know, people try, you know, book signings and all sorts of things. And it just, you know, I think everybody's trying to figure out what works for them. Because I think sometimes what works for one person may not always, right. you know, follow through with some of the others. Right. We've had some authors that have had really good success with getting their books into book clubs because then you're guaranteed, you know, X number of sales. That, that's and, been my
0: focus lately. Yeah. Is really trying to pull in, in book clubs and uh, I will travel to you or... Um, I just did one that was so much fun last month that we did via FaceTime. Oh, fun. And, uh, they were in Houston That's and, um, uh, and they read my book that came out in the spring, the devil's fortune, and they were very excited about that. And so we were able to talk via FaceTime and that, that was a really interesting experience. So I'd love to do more of that, but I'm happy if it's nearby or if I, uh, I'm in the area for for a reason. One of my books takes place in Colorado, and we have a summer home in Colorado. So when I was out there last summer, I arranged to do a signing.
2: Um, yeah, we 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 saw Kim Cash was the other yeah. one. Yeah, there we've we've spoken with a couple of of a couple of writers who say you know yeah bring your books on vacation with you because you can
0: yeah you never know
2: you you can you can get them out there. That's uh, I I love the idea of setting the couple hours a week aside because. My thing is like, oh, you know what? I just thought of this. I should do it now. But I think I think that makes sense. If, you, if you're like Tuesday mornings, I don't get anything done really anyway. So maybe that'll right. be my marketing time. Right. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: And that's what I did. I tried to pick a time during the week where I knew I had a standing commitment every Monday morning. And so it's hard to do something all morning, come home, eat lunch, and sit down and write it's hard to get yourself into that mode, especially our youngest just went off to college. So I knew that if I started writing at one or two in the afternoon, what, three or four, I had to be at a tennis match or a field hockey game. So I thought, okay, I'm not gonna waste this time. This is where I'm gonna put that marketing time in. So you're right, to find a spot where you're not, you know you're not gonna be productive writing But maybe you could be productive doing something else. Because it's all part of the process. It is. It is. All
1: right,
2: Stephanie, now this is the part of the show where you thank the guest.
1: Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast and, and talking with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Good.
2: So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhat'sYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, take a second and give us a great review.
1: Tell your story.